Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Houston Healthcare Initiative podcast. My name is Harold Nickel. With so many different parts to the whole health insurance debate this week, noted Houston-based neurologist and the founder of the Houston Healthcare Initiative, Dr. Stephen Goldstein, will take one piece of it, and that is the pre-existing condition. And first, Dr. Goldstein, what exactly is a pre-existing condition? Well, these are medical conditions that exist before you or anyone bought an insurance policy. Insurers usually try to exclude claims arising from pre-existing conditions because insurance policies are intended to cover unexpected occurrences. Okay, so um, what do the insurance companies consider a pre-existing condition? It's a health problem you had before the date of the new insurance coverage starts. As I see it, there are several classes of pre-existing conditions. The first class might be an acute problem that needs immediate attention. This includes an acute injury that requires several surgeries over the course of time or a new cancer diagnosis that requires a long course of treatment. Most of these patients do not have insurance but now want someone else to pay for the treatment. Alternatively, uh, these patients might have company insurance, and because they became sick or injured, they lost their job and can't afford the COBRA coverage. Uh, a second class uh, of pre-existing conditions are chronic illnesses that can be predicted to result in additional medical expenses. This includes such conditions as obesity, hypertension, diabetes, smoking, drinking, drugging, just to name a few. The third class of pre-existing conditions that have yet to receive attention are genetic factors that predispose to disease. This includes, for example, the BRCA gene that predisposes to breast cancer. Mm. Now, um, does this, do these uh, pre-existing conditions, do these affect a lot of people? Yes, absolutely. According to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, there are between 50 to 129 million people with conditions that qualify as pre-existing. Wow. I guess um, then with, with this many people, it's, it's easy to see why this is such an important topic and why this, why this comes up so often. Yes, that's right. It's not a fringe group of people, but a significant part of the population. Current law still requires insurance companies to sell insurance to people with pre-existing conditions. Now, if coverage cannot be denied because of these pre-existing conditions, can the insurance companies charge more to those who have them? With the exception of smoking, the law does not allow insurance companies to charge different premiums. Okay, so I guess, you know, what's the issue here? We can't be denied coverage and you can't be charged more. So I guess I'm, I'm just not seeing how this is, you know, frankly, such a big deal. Well, in fact, everyone is charged more. If the insurance companies are mandated to accept everyone with a pre-existing condition, someone who is healthy can refuse to buy health insurance and wait until a serious illness occurs. Then when they buy coverage, they simply pass on the cost of their care to everyone else in the group. The insurance companies pass this cost on to everyone who buys the insurance. The same is true for patients switching from company insurance to individual policies. The second group of pre-existing conditions are a result of self-destructive behavior. 
it would make more sense to change the law to allow insurance companies to rate individuals with self-destructive behavior and charge additional premiums in the same way they do with uh, life insurance. The third group of patients with genetic predisposition to disease has yet to be considered. Those patients are currently unaware of their genetic predispositions. As patients become aware of their genetic makeup, cost of insurance may be an issue. Okay, um, but how realistic is it that any, any one of these changes could, could actually occur? Well, it's not very realistic. It's not part of the national conversation to split pre-existing conditions into these separate groups. There is also little push for patients to take responsibility for their own health. It stands to reason that taking care to follow basic preventive care would lower health care costs. My best advice, if you want to keep your cost under control, take care of yourself and join a health care cooperative with like-minded individuals. Yeah, that's, uh, that's so well said. And the bottom line here, um, Dr. Goldstein, what should we all do to maintain our coverage? If you have coverage through your company, save enough money to pay for COBRA. If you lose your job, sign up for COBRA to continue your benefits. If your COBRA coverage ends before you find a new employer, per purchase private health insurance. When you change jobs, sign up for new coverage immediately or as soon as your company allows to avoid a break of more than 63 days. Mm. And the bottom line for for the government, what should they what should they be about? Well, several things. They should promote the public health as a priority. For example, the, pump, the government might give tax credits for a modicum of physical fitness, normal weight, controlled diabetes, and high blood pressure. They should allow insurance companies to create risk groups so that patients who do not care for themselves can be grouped with similar patients and pay higher premiums that reflects the cost on an actuarial basis. Establish mandatory health savings accounts so that people can pay for routine care and allow for higher deductible insurance. Mm -hmm. The government's health care policy should establish incentives for people to main maintain continuous coverage and protections for those who do, regardless of their health status. Now, with the time we've got left today, um, I have not read anything from the government or the insurance industry that requires or calls for any type of individual accountability. And I know that you have um, views and solutions that go straight to this. Well, that's right. I want people to change their minds and think in terms of doing what they can to remain healthy and stay out of the emergency rooms, hospitals, and doctor's offices. And sure, to think of a medical co-op like the Houston Healthcare Initiative Co-op to pay for and manage the cost of medical coverage. Well, while it may sound oversimplified, if you want to save money on health care, do the things needed to not get sick. But if enough of us did think about how dramatically the health care coverage and care business would change, plus, how much better would we all feel? Well, isn't that the truth? And um, I want to thank you, Dr. Goldstein, for, for these revelations about how this business really functions and for offering an effective and affordable alternative. And as we all heard today, Dr. Goldstein's approach and philosophy here at the Houston Healthcare Initiative Co-op is not simply inexpensive coverage, but to help members understand more about how the healthcare business works and empower them 
to make daily decisions that mean less need for medical services. Now, as always, thanks for listening, and please tell your friends about us. If you want to learn more about how a co-op can help you with your medical expenses, visit the Houston Healthcare Initiative Co-op at www.houstonhealthcareinitiative.org. Again, thank you for listening. Come back next time and tell everyone you know about the Houston Healthcare Initiative Co-op.